Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What's going on, guys? Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to give you a quick update on the Ready Eddy membership program. To this point, we've grown to have thousands of products from up-and-coming startups and small businesses in the outdoor travel and lifestyle space on the platform. You can save up to 50% off all of these products, anything from skis to jackets to food bars to supplements. Anything you could think of to support your outdoor activities is on the platform from small up-and-coming brands. It's a great opportunity to support small businesses while also discovering brands that you've never heard of. You can show off the new gear to your friends and also save a ton while doing it. If you're interested in checking it out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members to get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Eddie Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with the founder of Rhino Skin Solutions, Justin Brown. Justin, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Sure thing. Thank you. All right. So Rhino Skin Solutions, how would you best describe your brand to someone who's never heard of you before? I think the first thing that comes to mind when people ask of Rhino is the simplest way to describe it is skincare for athletes. Um, then. If you take a step back from that, we do skin skin repair, muscle and joint recovery, small wound care, uh, antiperspirants for hands and feet, and hydrating sprays. So tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get into starting a, a business like this? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, I Well, first of all, I've been a rock climber. Since I was the first time I ever went rock climbing, I was eight, but um, really got into it in my teens, um, like 14, 15 years old. And so I've been rock climbing a long time, and that's always been one of my main passions. Um, and as climbing has grown, uh, the performance aspect has uh, really been nailed down a lot. And um, living in Bend, there's there's a good community of people that really push each other for performance and share share ideas. And so there's a couple products out there that I'd like to use and being your classic dirtbag rock climber uh, ethic, I was like, I think I can make these for cheaper. And so I kind of looked up looked up some ingredients and you know just started making batches and seeing if they worked and sharing them with people and uh, took them down to Bishop and tried them out and they kind of worked. That's interesting. Now I know you originally were a chef, so like yep. m- making this transition must've been, um, was it strange to you or did it just feel like kind of the right thing to do? It kind of felt like the right thing to do. It was, it was stressful just because, uh, we just kind of started Rhino at the same time. I started Rhino at the same time that I was actively working as a chef. So there's a lot of long days, uh, but it was it was just a really interesting process, both both the chemistry and the business side of it. As far as production, we make everything in house. So as far as that went, it was it, it's very similar to actually working in a kitchen, other than the time constraints. It's 
you're basically making emulsions, which is very similar to a soup or a salad dressing. And the the ordering products to put into a different product and you know the rotation of of all that and selling it was was kind of kind of similar to a kitchen and i think i think my decade of running kitchens uh helped a lot with with the structure of that business right because i i'm 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 sure i'm sure you were probably like super organized or had to be right being a chef and just kind of I'm horrible at organization. I, <laughs> I uh, think I'm just, I, I'm lucky. Uh, maybe I have really good random access memory. And so um, just like the process, the process of start to finish isn't necessarily linear, but that plays into how I go about thinking, thinking about things. Right, definitely. Okay, so you start off by kind of putting together your own concoctions. Um, what happened after that? Yeah, I assume you let friends sort of test it, and then what was the next step? Yeah, so the first thing I made was what we sell as performance now, and we took it down to Bishop, and everybody climbed a ton of days on. I think we all climbed our hardest boulders, uh, and we walked away with really good skin. And, and so, uh, those people were like, I'll, I'll, I'll buy some from you. And I was like, whatever, I'll just give you some. And they're like, I'll let it, let me pay for the ingredients. Um, so I made up four bottles and then they share that with people. And then I made up eight bottles and 10 bottles and 20 bottles. And it just kept growing from there. And at one point I looked at my wife and I was like, should I make like a website for this or, <laughs> right or and we kind of decided to start with like a certain a start we reformulated we we kind of nailed down some ingredients and we're like let's let's invest a little money and see what we can do and uh so we invested you know we took we took some of our savings and started a website and kind of figured out what we wanted our our product to look like and just open it up to the world through Instagram and a website. And from there, it's been a interesting ride. Definitely. So how did you come up with the name Rhino? Uh, just a lot of days sitting at a cra- at uh, Smith rock with friends, just tossing around ideas, literally just sitting in the dirt and tying in and rock climbing and being like, what should we call this thing? And we, came up with a bunch of different names and my friend drew i think came up with it he was like how about rhino and that that's the one that just stuck right that's interesting um okay so clearly one of the key factors of of the inception of rhino is just being pretty immersed in the climbing community of bend right you had so many people around you that were so into climbing itself, um, they kind of helped you sort of realize that there's a business here. Um, you know, what were the next steps after after you built the website and you invested some money into it? Yeah, um, what were the next steps? Uh, man, it's kind of been like shoot from the hip. For <laughs> right. For most of it, uh, I don't have a business background and it's not something that I started with a grand plan of like a one year, three year, five year plan. It was kind of just 
put it out into the community and, and share it with people and have people try it and give us feedback and just keep making it better. Um, but from day one, it was, uh, yeah, get that website post all the time on Instagram as much as we could and just try and figure out like what kind of content people want to see and what, what drives people people to recognize the brand and and appreciate the brand we didn't want to be too overwhelming and sing-songy uh i'm not i'm not very into like marketing for the sake of marketing i'm more into uh letting letting the product prove itself and so trying to figure out how to have that come across was really important and not be too pushy um, and one of the, one of the big things that we figured out was, uh, and we is me and my wife, cause it was really just us two chatting about it. And then, um, just friends here and there, uh, but was grassroots events. Uh, so myself as a rock climber and being in it for a while, I wasn't really in touch with what events were out there and if they were important to the community. And so I just went to one. I went to the International Climbers Fest and Waco Rock Rodeo. And then I added 24 Hours of Horseshoe Hell. And um, it was really important to supply samples uh, to all the competitors and all the participants. Because to me, if I can give somebody a sample of Rhino and they can use it for a few days or a week or however long the sample takes, that's, that's the most important marketing we could do. Right, because then you have them use it and be like, wow, that actually worked, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. There, there's a lot of skepticism out there of skincare. And, sure, and yeah, totally. Growing up as a male rock climber, and um, skincare was not a thing. You know, you, you go rock climb, you barely wash your hands if you're climbing <laughs> for a week. Right. If you come away with a bunch of gobies and messed up skin, you're, you're doing it right. But, exactly uh, right i think i think that's changing and and educating people on that change is is another avenue that we've kind of looked for definitely okay so you start with the performance how long did it take you to start to add other products like was the r&d process uh difficult was did you hit any kind of roadblocks or um do you enjoy that part of the uh, of the business yeah, uh, it was it was fun to R and D stuff. Um, my wife's a a pharmacist, so she has uh, like a chemistry background, and so whenever somebody found a product they liked or I had an idea, uh, we could just go through some ingredients and figure out what they did and what works and what wasn't really necessary, and uh, that's kind of the basis of our R and D system and. It was important to us to eliminate, uh, like, we don't have synthetic emulsifiers, which has kind of hurt a little bit because our products are a little bit more heat sensitive, but it's also helped because I think they feel better. I think they're more effective, and I think they're a little healthier. Um, but, yeah, the R &R, I forgot what the question was originally, but the R&D process has been pretty fun, uh, and and the product's always or has been evolving 
for these four years. And I think we've got it to a, a spot where it's pretty good. We've had a couple hiccups for sure, though. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, making something in-house, I'm sure, comes with its challenges, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we when we moved into our bigger facility, the uh, one of the big challenges was what we have to heat up the water and what we have to heat up um, the oils. And, and so that changed uh, the process a lot. And we definitely had a couple of hiccups right as we moved in. Um, but, but that seems to be solved and, you know, it's having input from our customers and, and really being critical about what we're doing and, and always trying to make it better. And I think that's a big thing from the, from working in a kitchen is, um, I'm not really scared to have people give me feedback. I, I like, I like the feedback and being very critical of what we're doing here is important. Definitely. Um, okay. So over time, like, did you have to, you obviously were a chef while you started this, how long until you gave up, um, you know, being in a kitchen and, and started doing Rhino full time? Um, <clears throat> You know, it's all becoming a little blurry. I think if you asked me that <laughs> maybe six months ago, I would have remembered straight off the bat. But I think it's been, I think it's been about a full year, um, maybe a year and a half. I'm trying to. It's funny some, how it gets blurry like that as time yeah, goes on. It got, it got blurry so quick. Uh, <laughs> um, let me think. Maybe it's been, I'll just go with a year and a half. Yeah. And w did you, were you nervous about making that transition or were you just like, all right, it is, it's time. Let's do this. I was super nervous. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was actually kind of something that we were, uh, just kicking around at home. Like, man, Rhino's getting, maybe it's been, two, I can't imagine it's been two years. Um, but, yeah, it must. I don't know. It's maybe two years, uh, but it was definitely something we were kicking around at home. Uh, just like Rhino's getting busier and uh, are we just going to really do I just really give this a shot and drop cooking all together? Right, right. Or is it nice to have that steady income from a business that's running? Uh, and, and what do I do? And I was actually kind of formulating my uh, job that I had to step away a little bit and set up some other managers and set up some systems where I wasn't working 50, 60, 70 hours anymore. I was going to work 30. And so in that process of setting it up for success without me, um, the owner of the business kind of decided to go a different direction and and so it was kind of a mutual <laughs> decision. Not only was I like, I think I'm stepping away, but the owner of the business was like, uh, I think we're going to do something else here. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it was kind of, it was forced, but it, it was a, it was a, it was a lucky thing to happen in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's good to have someone kick you off the diving board, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just push exactly. you, yeah. just, uh, yeah, just jump and go for it and see what happens. Um, yeah. No, that's interesting. It's funny. Like as we grew Ready Eddie, it was sort of the same thing. Like when we went full time, 
because you're like nervous. You're like, well, what happens if we have a bad month <laughs> or two bad yeah. months or something? You know what I mean? It's like, how does that work? <laughs> um, and then over yeah. time, you just get more and more comfortable with it um, as you have like more of a track record. Um, so how, what is the what, what would you is there anything in particular that you would attribute um, your growth to? Would you say, um, you know, it's really just been making quality products and letting the word of mouth sort of like do its job? Or, um, you know, have you spent a decent amount of time sort of developing different um, marketing channels? Uh, I would say that the product itself i think being being in the climbing community for so long let me have a deep understanding of what was needed and so it wasn't like i had to do a lot of market research to figure out what products were going to be beneficial uh and what products i should make it it seemed very obvious to me of like oh you need something to rip repair your skin you need something to repair small wounds you need something to keep sweat off your hands and and feet and you need something to help joint recovery and then uh for people with really dry hands you need a hydrating spray so those to me that's like the natural evolution of climbing skincare uh and so i think understanding what products were needed and my customer base uh, and being able to communicate with them effectively and in a genuine manner was uh, all, all really important. And I'm, kind of find, I'm kind of finding out, uh, I'm like re-solidifying that in my mind as I try and market Rhino to skiers and uh crossfit and gymnastics and sailing and you know there's a ton of different avenues that we'd like to go um i've been skiing forever so that's that one's like a, a easier path to go but for these other sports that i don't participate in it's it's like how how do you be how do you have a genuine product for that user group and not look like you're just trying to get in there and you know, sell them stuff. So it's right. kind of interesting to look at it from a different angle now. Yeah, for sure. So I'm assuming, like, because I also um, spend a lot of time skiing, it's more so the um, hydrating, since obviously a lot of skiing happens in dry climates. Uh, it's actually the the antiperspirant spray, the dry spray. Okay. It's kind of what we feel is the most important. Uh for for days out ski touring or if you're just in um in a resort skiing on the list you're gonna have <clears throat> excuse me you're gonna have sweaty hands and feet and so if you can reduce that sweat load in your gloves and boots you're gonna stay way warmer uh throughout the day and for touring you're gonna have less blisters and we've we've found that that's like been pretty important in the game game changer for a few people that's really smart i actually didn't even think about that i could totally use that touring <laughs> i usually just yeah, tour without gloves <laughs> because of oh, it yeah. yeah um just because like oh, having yeah. sweaty gloves when you're at the t at the top of the peak uh, uh top of a peak and you're just like oh now i'm freezing <laughs> yeah, horrible yeah your gloves get sogged out and then yeah. they're cold and, and then they freeze your hands in different gloves yeah different it's a whole thing <laughs> Oh, that's that. No, that's, I think that's really smart. Um, 
Okay, so tell me, over the like you started this in 2015, you know, it's been yeah. a few years. Over that time, what would you say has been one of the hardest parts about building Rhino? Mm. That's a tough question. Um, I know it's a little cliche, but there's the saying if you love something, it's not work. Um, and from my cooking background and when I was a ski patroller guide, one of the things that I always loved as much as the sport or the activity was building the team or, or, or building the system. And so building Rhino, there's, there's never been something that's really been frustrating uh, to me. It's, I don't, I don't really look at it that way. I look at those, I look at things that some people might be frustrated or angry about as just like a challenge. I look at it very matter of fact, what's the issue? How do I solve it? And then I move on. It's, it's not like, oh man, I can't believe this is happening to me right now. Like I don't, there's no, to me, there's no point in like dwelling on something that's giving you difficulty uh, unless there's just zero zero solution and then really there's still no point in dwelling on it so you like so for me if there is a hurdle i just figured out how to solve it and that to me that that process of solving the issue is is fun and enjoyable so definitely um what would you say have been some of the biggest mistakes that you've made up until this point um yeah i would say that the biggest mistake uh I've made um, that made me the most worried about Rhino was we had uh, twice this happened to us with our massage cream. Um, the massage creams are most plant-based um, product and we use like three whole flowers. We have a tree bark in there. We have some distilled um, other plants that are just like the distilled oil from it. And so when I made those, uh, I just didn't, I guess I didn't do the research fine enough to figure out how to make that product shelf stable. And we had a couple issues with it um, just over time. And uh, I had to recall that product twice over two years. And that recall process made me so nervous. I was like, I know I have to do this, but <clears throat> is it going to, is Rhino just, I'm going to do it no matter what, but is Rhino going to cease to exist right. uh, from that recall? And so the mistake of like not researching exactly how to make that thing shelf stable or, or like getting into the nitty gritty of it was probably my biggest mistake. But it was also a great learning experience of like I put that I put the recall out and I was very matter of fact and open and just told people what the issue was and how to see if their product what had the issue. <clears throat> and uh, the overwhelming response and and that we would replace or refund or whatever people wanted to solve the problem for them. And the overwhelming response was, thanks for letting us know. Here's a photo of mine. What do you think of my product? What do you think? 
And then we'd solve the issue. And across the board, people were like thrilled that we were so open and willing to solve the problem instead of hide the issue. So um, that was also that. So that was like a very trying, uh, scary part of our history uh, and development. But it was also something that really let me know we were doing we were doing things right, um, business wise and, and customer service wise. Yeah, I mean transparency and honesty is always it's honest. It's crazy how appreciative your customers are when you do it because they're just kind of used to that not happening. <laughs> yeah. Or they assume the worst, right? Yeah. Like yeah. companies I, trying to take advantage. Yeah. I always assume the worst. I'm trying to get my money back from this company, but like, you know, it's one of those internet companies where are like free trial and it's a service you need like once maybe. Right. And right. Right. Uh, there's like zero way to cancel the subscription. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, companies that are are true and honest and helpful is is like so important these days. I think I couldn't agree more. What advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor space mm-hmm. um, or just a business in general? Um, gosh, I'd say go for it. Um, I think now is as good of a time as ever uh, to start a business. Just if it's something you believe in and and really see a see a need for the your the ability to communicate with customers and uh just get your brand out there and and market in a in a timely daily fashion i mean i i don't think there's a better time for people to get out there and and do what they love or or pursue their passion i think I would just say go for it. It's hard work. Don't expect that like you're gonna own this business and make a ton of money and and have all this free time because um, that's that's not that's not gonna happen uh, for a while. But um, you know if, if you're passionate about growing something and and having having like something you're proud of, I mean go for it. It's great. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to like travel around and hear people talk about rhino or or say are are you are you justin from rhino man i love your product like that there's no better feeling other than like my dog greeting me at the door (laughs) i totally get that where do you see uh, rhino in the next year five years ten years down the road gosh um i don't know it's it's kind of been growing in an amazing amazing way um much how i started it i don't really have any pre pre pre-planned destination um i i like i like making it and i like growing the business and uh as i said before i don't have a business background so i didn't really create like a long-term business plan which is probably a hindrance and a help because it allows me to be super flexible um but for sure for sure i'd like to keep growing in the climbing community supporting it more and more um i'm always looking for new ways to support you know the not there's so many nonprofit organizations in the climbing community for just to get 
get people out rock climbing and growing the sport and making it a more uh a more like real sport in the grand scheme of things as well as uh like preservation of our climbing lands and being a little bit more eco-conscious um we're trying to figure out a good way to pack our stuff that's a little bit more eco-conscious and um so just growing growing that way and supporting the community more um like the more they support rhino the more i like i can support them and so it's a great it's a great thing to have a great symbiosis to have and uh you know getting into some getting our products into other athletes hands and just uh i think i think it's a product a lot of people need and i'd like to see more more people using it obviously without trying to be too salesy (laughs) (laughs) definitely i don't know how to say that without being (laughs) like i just want people to buy it but (laughs) i I really think it's something that can improve people's performance and enjoyment of their sport so yeah i mean especially climbing alone you know what i'm saying like out of all of the outdoor activities that i do climbing i feel like is the most taxing on my body (laughs) yeah yeah for sure like i grew up a skier like that's kind of what i do most right and you know in the last couple of years i've really gotten into climbing and between like tendonitis or different sort of like muscle tendon issues and then skin it's just like it's so different than skiing where like the sort of um uh, thing that you try and hide or like try to avoid is an acl or a knee injury right with skiing of some kind yeah um and like that does happen that's happened to me but it's way more rare Right. Then like climbing where it's like you could be climbing for a couple weeks consistently and then just be like, oh, man, I've got this like lagging tendonitis or like skin issue. It's just such a different um, kind of sport that's uh, taught me a lot, (laughs) (laughs) to say the least. Especially with when I I mean, when I started rock climbing, my goal was. I was like, man, one day if I could climb 513, that would be just the best. and so, and I think that was kind of everybody's thought in, in 1994. Right. Like, man, I could climb 514 or 513. That'd be, and 514 wasn't, there was like, you know, a handful of people in the magazines climbing 514. Right, right. And now, you know, a lot of people are climbing really well, uh, just recreationally, just, you know, climbing 514. And with the growth of, of climbing, um, and the and the performance aspect of it and recreational rock climbers climbing so well these days i think you're seeing more people with the need of body care for sure um, oh definitely like i i've got i made friends with someone the other week at, at my climbing gym and he uh, he boulders um v11s outdoors and i'm like that's just uh-huh. stupid good yeah. <laughs> like compared yeah. to my level probably been like bouldering a couple months yeah right (laughs) exactly and that's like that was my next question i'm like how long have you been doing this for yeah you know and i'm like you live in new york city how do you have the time to like what (laughs) yeah Yeah. but yeah it's it's that far away i'm sorry new paul's isn't that far away no and we do have the we have the gunks and there's actually a ton of outdoor climbing well bouldering in the city within the city limits there's a whole like guidebook dedicated to it um So, you know, it's interesting living here. I'm actually leaving at the end of the month, but um, 
I, in the spring, I was outdoor climbing like three days a week, which is crazy. Wow. That's yeah. Great. It's a, it's amazing. You can actually pull that off. Um, but one other thing I want to mention, I know you do a lot of charity work, so I kind of just wanted to mention that and sort of your involvement and I guess why it's such an important part of, uh, of who you are and everything you have going on. Oh yeah. Thanks. Um, I think as like I was saying before, uh, <clears throat> just the, com like Rhino couldn't be here without the climbing community. Um, and I'm not in this to like build a company and burn it down and take all the money. Um, <laughs> I'm more into it because for 25 years I've, I've had climbing as part of my life and uh, being able to build Rhino and, and get it, get it to people and let it help them with their climbing is one way to be in the community, but um, you know, helping at, at Smith rock, on the board um for the smith rock spring thing and that's trail maintenance and crag care and community building and um you know just just supporting all those all those organizations that support crags around the country and um just support community around the country is important and and it's a great it, it makes for pure selfish reasons it makes me feel really good to have built rhino out of nothing and then have revenue that i can spend on supporting these communities across the country or across the globe to like help build the community that made me into the person i am so yeah it's just really really fun and uh makes me feel good definitely i i, uh, I think that's such an incredible thing to be able to do um and I want to thank you, Justin, for taking the time to come on the podcast and share your story and share the story of Rhino Skin Solutions. And, you know, for anyone listening before September 10th, you can actually enter to win a bunch of uh, skincare from Rhino, along with a ton of other brands um, around climbing. Just head over to Red Yeti uh, for your chance to win before September 10th. And again, Justin, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. My pleasure. Thanks for reaching out and uh, anytime. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddy Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.